This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. An American tourist was traveling one time in Europe, and when he went to the desk to pay his hotel bill, the cashier asked if he wanted to wait for a receipt. The tourist said, no, thank you. If God wills, I'll be back here next week and you can give it to me then. The cashier said cynically, do you still believe in God? The tourist said, why, of course I do, don't you? The cashier says, oh no, over here we gave that up a long time ago. Then the traveler said, well, in that case, I believe I will wait for my receipt. It makes a big difference whether or not you believe in God. And it also makes a big difference what kind of God you believe in. Let me ask you to try a little experiment with me for just a moment. Uh, unless you're driving a car right now or somewhere where you cannot do it, let me ask you to close your eyes just for a brief moment. All right, now think of God. When you close your eyes and you ask to think about God, what, what mental images or what pictures were flashed on the screen of your mind? Do you have a picture of God in your mind? You know those big words about the attributes of God, such as his love, his omnipotence, his power. Those are words describing God. Others describe a, a peaceful scene of serenity and power combined sometimes with uh, people have a picture of Solomon's painting, great painting, the head of Christ come flashing on their mind when they think about God. When you think about God, what ideas come to focus in your mind? This morning, my purpose is not to try to tell you what you should see or think about when you are directed to think about God. But I want us to think together this morning for a few moments on your view of God. Our text for this morning is found in the ninth verse of the 14th chapter of John, where Jesus says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. A Presbyterian minister, Dr. John Redhead, says that if we want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus Christ. Well, when we do this, what do we find? I want to suggest several things. First, God is a Father whose love never lets us down. Jesus did not go around letting folks down. Rather, he, he did go around lifting them up. He taught people that they could depend on him even when all else failed about them. I think it's a pity that some of our most beautiful old hymns have fallen out of use because they were used so many times back in the earlier days for funerals. One such hymn is that which was written in 1847 by Henry Light. And the title of that hymn is Abide With Me. In that hymn, we find those rich words of comfort. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. 
This is exactly what Jesus does. He comes to our rescue and he helps us when other helpers fail and comforts flee. Yes, he never lets us down. Now, to be perfectly honest, there are times in our lives when it would seem that God has let us down. I don't know why there's a lot of hassle about prayer in public schools. It's been there for years, and it, even through all the questioning about it, it was still there, really. If you don't believe they still have prayer in public school, just check with some students when it comes time for a test or an examination. Have you ever prayed for a good grade on an exam, but you didn't get it? Maybe you've earnestly prayed for the solution to some problem that you've been facing for a long time, and as of yet, you still don't have the answer. There are those who have prayed in faith to be healed from some sickness, but God has not stepped in and given you a miracle, at least not yet. It is in times like these when we are tempted to cry out, as Jeremiah did, O Lord, you deceived me when you promised me your help. That's Jeremiah 20, verse 7. It even seemed that God had let Jesus down when Jesus cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One thing we can rest assured of is the fact that Jesus understands us when we feel that God has let us down. Jesus was able to relate completely to us as a human being, although he was also fully divine. The problem with us comes when our own humanity begins to surface and we do not have a proper view of God. If we think of God as our personal nursemaid and that he will never allow us to undergo any sort of trouble, then we do not understand God or his promises to us. God has never promised to save anybody from trouble, but he has promised to save us in trouble. Back during Daniel's day in the Old Testament, those three men who remained true to God learned this lesson. God did not save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, but he saved them in it. This is one truth that we can count on, truth about God. God never overloads anyone. Yes, God is a father whose love never lets us down. But we cannot stop with saying this. Since God is a righteous God, he cannot look at sin lightly. And therefore, we have to go on to a second truth. That is, God is a father whose love never lets us off. The love of God is not soft like a jellyfish. It has backbone. It is built on certain standards. And when those standards are not met, the penalty falls heavy and sure. You see, God gives us the very best kind of love. He loves us so much that he gives us tough love. There are those people today who have watered down their idea of God until he's become sort of a sentimental yes man who winks at sin and says sin doesn't really matter. Oh no, God is love, but along with the tenderness of God, we must always remember the terror of God. It's wrong for us to think of God just as a loving, merciful father 
who just smiles and approves of anything we may do, even when we go in blatant disregard of his clear commands to us. God is a holy God. He does not deal lightly with sin in our lives. I once heard an older minister at a convention a number of years ago tell how he used to be very strict on his son when his son was just a little boy. There was one area of the house which was strictly off limits to his son. That was his study. The minister maintained an office in his house and he absolutely required that his young son not go meddling in that office, playing with his papers and especially fooling around with his typewriter. This was many years ago when people used a typewriter regularly. That typewriter was always a great fascination though for this little boy. Well, the years passed. That son grew up, married, and had a son of his own. And by now that preacher father had all the normal pride that most grandparents have when a grandchild comes along. So happened that one day this preacher and his wife were babysitting for their son who happened to be out of town for a few days. So these grandparents were delighted to have their two-year-old grandson with them, even though he did have that, those meddlesome skills that most two-year-olds have. That preacher still had his office at home, and he still liked to keep things pretty much in order. But after lunch one day, while they were babysitting with this terrible two, they got that uneasy feeling that all knowing parents have when things get too quiet. The preacher left the den, walked to the door of his study, and found his little two-year-old grandson there. The little boy was sitting in the chair in front of the typewriter. The top of the typewriter was open, and somehow the little fellow had managed to get the black ribbon, the spool, out of the typewriter and had wound it around his head, his shoulders, the remainder of it was scattered all over the carpet. Quickly, the preacher called to his wife and asked her to come to the door. As she came, this loving grandfather said sweetly, oh, Look, honey, he's only two years old, and he's already learning how to type. <laughs> Jesus referred to God as Father, not as an indulgent grandfather. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. What does this mean? It means that the hangover always comes on the morning after. It means that no matter how hard you try to rationalize and run over your conscience, there'll always be that haunting guilt the next day. It means that one who sows wild oats is going to have a harvest. Does no good to sow wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. Yes, God loves the sinner, and he always will. But when a person continues to flirt with sin, when one does not stay true to the way you know to be right in God's sight, then we cannot expect God to repeal his holy law of divine justice. There was a famous sermon that was preached many, many years ago by a New England preacher. His name was Jonathan Edwards. In fact, he died in the year 1758. This famous sermon that he preached was entitled, Sinners and the Hand of an Angry God. 
that has been called the most terrifying sermon that was ever preached. It was said that at the end of this sermon, women fainted, strong men held to the posts in the church in agony. Jonathan Edwards was not known to be a great hellfire brimstone preacher, but he brought back clearly something that may be prone, we may be prone to forget today, and that is that God cannot be taken for granted. There's something in the law of God which requires that sin be punished. And only as we come in humility and confession of our sins to Jesus Christ can we find a way out. So far we've seen that God is a Father whose love never lets us down. This is comfort. He is also one whose love never lets us off. This is a warning. But finally there's a third truth. God is a Father whose love never lets us go. This is a word of hope. This is the greatest thing that can ever be said about love. It keeps on loving in spite of everything. It keeps no record of the wrongs done against it. No matter how often that love is spurned and cast aside, it always holds on, never gives up, never lets go. In the First World War, Harry Lauder, the Scottish comedian, lost two of his sons in military action. After the war was over, Harry Lauder's doctor recommended a long rest for his tense nerves. And so Lauder went off to Australia. And there he spent much of his time taking long walks, making new friends. Late one afternoon, he started out walking with a young boy who had become his friend. They passed several homes where service banners had been placed in the windows. Some of you older folks here today will remember these banners. The little boy had never seen such. And so he asked innocently, what are those things hanging in the windows? And Lauder explained, each, of, each star in that banner means that a son went from that home to the war. And the little boy said, but why are some of those stars gold? Others are not. With a growing lump in his throat, Lauder explained, that gold star means that that son did not come back. He was killed in the war. Lauder and the little boy continued to walk along in silence. And then the street opened into a road. The sky gradually became darker with approaching evening. A star soon twinkled in the sky, and the little boy pointed up to it. Did God send a son to the war too, he asked. Yes, said the old man thoughtfully. God sent his only son to the greatest war that was ever fought, the war against sin, and it cost him his life. The sure test of love is always the length to which it's willing to go. Though you may be a great sinner, though you may have a dark record in God's book of your life, that door is not shut in your face. God is even now hanging out his gold star, telling you that he's given, us, given you his son, Jesus Christ, to save you from your sin. That is how much he loves you and me.
What is your view of God? When you look at God through Jesus Christ, you will find that God is a Father whose love never lets us down, never lets us off, and never lets us go. We've all gone astray like lost sheep, but how wonderful it is to remember that God comes looking for us through His Son, Jesus. And our job is simply to allow ourselves to be found. Are you ready right now to be found by the loving heart of God? Are you ready to be rescued? God is ready if you are. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your love unending. We can't explain it. We can't understand it, but we claim it. And we know that you do love us. Thank you for giving us Jesus to show us what your love's all about. Help us to say yes to him right now in our hearts. We pray in his wonderful name. Amen.